Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you're there with me, it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, that's the the day the Lord returns, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name and in your name we drove out demons and in your name performed many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow, it's harsh. Then it goes into another, sto- another parable of the wise and foolish builders. It says, therefore, chapter 24, verse 24, sorry. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This story of the wise and foolish builders, we've just seen it connects to the previous few verses. It says, therefore, because he's speaking about the previous few verses, that people will, at the end times when Jesus returns, when he speaks to them, people will say, we knew you. We did this. We prophesied. We did miracles. We saw healings. Lord, we went out on the streets and we prayed for the sick. Can't you remember that night when I did this? Can't you remember when I did this for you? And it says that even though people will have said they've done these things and are sure that they've seen God come through for them, still, there'll be people who Jesus will turn to and say, but I never knew you. That's pretty scary, isn't it? For me, it's quite scary when I read this because, let me tell you this, sometimes we read these verses and this particular verse and you will say to yourself, the wise and foolish builders, the ones who listen and the ones who don't, are Christians and non-Christians. You say to yourself, yeah, well I'm fine because I attend church every week and I do this and I do that and I've got the badge. So I, I straight away automatically land in the wise category. But let me remind you today, and the core of this message is this, that it's not speaking about a non-Christian and a Christian. It is speaking clearly about Christians. You can be a Christian born again of the Spirit of God and be foolish. 
You can be someone who has got the badge, attends every Sunday, in fact attends every single service. You do everything for God, but you just don't know him. And it's a scary thought. Jesus says in verse 23, away from me you evildoers. I want to say that on the day that he returns, and he is coming soon, there'll be a day when he returns and he looks at us and speaks to us and everything, nothing will matter anymore. Nothing will matter in our lives other than it's just us and Jesus. We'll stand before the King of Kings, your family, nothing will matter at that very second when it's about you and him. And he will ask us these questions. And I want to encourage you today, this message is about encouraging us about building our characters ready and making sure that we're the wise ones and not the foolish ones. Because it seems here that we can seem to think we're a Christian, seem to think we're a believer, but actually we'll only find out on the day we meet him. He's speaking to two different types of Christians. Ones who listen and ones that don't. Ones who listen to his words, it says, put them into practice. And ones who don't. And there are consequences for that. It's similar to the description of, if you read, he uses a parable as well of the wise and foolish virgins, the ones who are even ready for his return. He says there'll be like wise and foolish virgins, the one who have not got enough oil at the last moment. He, he uses this example of the ones who are waiting for Jesus to return. And he says there'll be wise and foolish ones, ones who think that they're up until the last minute, they're fine. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they'll be caught and they'll wish that they had listened and done the things of God. Even the wise and foolish virgins are the ones, again, who follow God. Two types. Two types of people. In fact, two types of builders, should I say. People building something. It describes a house. But let me tell you, God's not asking you to build a house with bricks and mortar. He's asking you to build your lives, your character. Today's message is character builders. That's the title. Character builders. It's so important that we look at these differences, these two differences of these characters and make sure that we adhere to one. The first thing I want to say today is this that this scripture draws out for me is that we need to build our characters and our lives from our heart. We need to build from our heart. The Bible describes that a believer, a new creature, he says the old has gone, the new has come. Every time we talk about Jesus doing something, we sung about it this morning, saying he rescues us, he saves. When Jesus come into your life, if you're a Christian and you responded to Jesus, When you responded, it always starts in the heart. It never starts up here. God, by His Spirit, will challenge our hearts. You can speak the word, words of knowledge, things will be spoken to us, but believe you and me, we cannot change anyone, only God can through His Spirit. And it's your heart that is challenged, the innermost being of you. We respond to God's Spirit in our hearts. He challenges us right to the core. In Acts 2, verse 37, when Peter preaches the gospel for the first time, he says, when the people heard this, that's what Peter was saying, they were cut to the heart. 
and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, when Peter preached this first gospel and he speaks the things of God, he says the people were cut to the heart. And then they said, what shall we do? It came from their mouths. True conversion is when our hearts respond. Not our mouths. When we go on the streets, I'm not into getting someone to say a simple prayer and then thinking, wow, let's tick another box. We've got another conversion. No. In fact, God only knows. God only knows every single person in this room today who is his. In Romans 10, verse 9 to 10, it says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Not your actions, your heart. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith that you are saved. Hallelujah. It's your heart. I can't make you a Christian. You can say everything that you are about being a Christian, but it's our heart. We are cut to the heart. And it's important that we build our godly character. It's important that we build our future with God, our characters Based on our heart, our response to God in our hearts, not what other people expect. We read earlier in verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus speaks of people who will go around, maybe not even convicted in their hearts, Maybe not even really born again inside because really it's all about the mouth. It's all about what they say to others to impress others. But Jesus says those who go around and and say these things but don't do my will. When you do the will of the Father it's because you're convicted in your heart. I know for me that when I start to want to just release the kingdom of God it's because God has put it in my heart. Not in my mind. Sometimes, why on earth do we want to step out and, and, and see someone like a delivery guy come? He could just deliver the parcel and go. We don't have to spend the time with him. What's the point? It's because our hearts are moved with compassion. He starts in our heart, that relationship, and we must build. But some of us go around and we act like we know Jesus and we don't. Jesus clearly talks about it here. This is not my words. This is not me putting anyone down. I have probably done things myself in the past where I think I know him more than I do. In fact, I think we know very little about God. I think sometimes we think we've got it all worked out. We've got God in our little boxes. In fact, we all meet together and we've all got our own version. I'll tell you on the day when he returns and he stands in front of us, it's all going to be smashed to pieces. Because everything that we think he is, it won't be. Our minds can't contain and imagine what he has got for us in the future. It cannot contain it. And I believe that God will shake our very core when we meet him. So we have to move forward. Believing that even though we don't know God fully, the little we do know we can move on with. We act like we know him. This week coming up, we're going to be going. It's We're celebrating, myself and Emma, we're celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary. Seems much longer than that. 
Did I just say that? No, it's, it's great. And it, time goes so quickly, doesn't it? Time goes so quickly. But we're celebrating our 10 year wedding anniversary. And we're going to, we go to a hotel normally in London. It's one that we've gone to on our anniversary. So don't, we're not going to tell you the address. But we're going to go to this hotel. And do you know when we first started going to this hotel and we found a room that we liked and it's got a nice view of the Thames and everything. And we, and by the way, we get this on Tesco's vouchers. I don't tell Emma that. I've just told her today. But we get this room. And a few years ago, we met the guest services on the, the lady works on the guest services checkout. And when we met her, I got her a business card because what I wanted to do is every time we ever revisited the hotel, I want to make sure we get the same room because the room was so good. And I knew that there were rooms in there that you could pay the same amount of money and get a worse room. So I wanted to make sure and I record and Emma used to see me, I'd jot the number down. And I'd even jot the numbers down of the other rooms that were similar to it so that I could say, I want this room. But all I could do is request it. And I started to do this. And and each year we'd go and I would ring up or speak to a lady called Beatrice. Beatrice was on guest services. In fact, I used to work on guest services. So I knew that if I I got in contact with someone, I could use that person to, to get into this room that I wanted to get. So I'd say, oh, Beatrice has given me a card. Can you make sure you put this allocation on the room? So I would do this, and then one year we went, and I phoned up, I said, yes, I know Beatrice. She said, Beatrice has left. I said, are you sure? She never phoned me. She never told me she was going. Doesn't she know my anniversary's coming up? And she said, she's left. I said, who's in guest services now? George, right, can I have his business card? And I didn't, I, I lost track of Beatrice. In fact, the truth is this, I never really knew her, did I? I didn't really know Beatrice. I had a card. I phoned her up. I got what I needed. But actually when she come to leave, she didn't need to tell me because she didn't know me. So many of us today are operating like that. And one day it's going to come. You'll get the phone call. you realize you never really knew Jesus. Just because we go around using someone's name doesn't mean we know them. Just because we've got it on our lips doesn't mean we know the person. Come on. In Acts 19, the sons, seven sons of Sceva were just like this. And if you, it should come up on the screen, but we'll just quickly look at this to prove this. It says this in Acts 19 verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits. This was, you know, doing the miraculous, driving out demons, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say in the name of the Jesus, listen to this, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, bit different, isn't it? The name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Who are you? I don't want to be out on the street one night and someone says that to me. Who are you? When we're driving out demons. I don't want that. He's saying, who are you? Because really they didn't know Jesus. You can use the name. You can say the name as much as you like. But it needs to come from the heart. The relationship with Jesus needs to start in the heart and not the mouth. If we build our relationship from our heart, we'll see a true passion. Our passions lie in our heart, you see. That's where your passion is. You say, well, I don't, I'm not really sure where my passion is. 
The Bible says this, that your treasure is where your heart is. Your treasure, there will be your heart also, lying right next to it. Every single person in this room, as I speak right now, knows their ultimate treasure. Their thing that drives them every time they wake up on a morning. The first thing that comes to their mind, their main treasure, is it Jesus? He says, the Bible says, your treasure is where your heart is. And there's your passion. It's what you value most. What we desire to aspire, I've put. What we desire to aspire always starts in our heart. And then we speak it out. Then we profess it. Second Chronicles 6. Solomon says of his father, King David. He says this. My father David added in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. First, King David added in his, he added in his heart. God will put things in our heart before we build. Before you build yourself as a Christian, it comes from the heart. And King David, he wasn't necessarily building character here, but he was building the temple of God. He wanted to build the temple, but it came in his heart. And King Solomon said this, he said, my father added in his heart to build because God puts things in our heart. King Solomon also said that he has set eternity in our hearts in Ecclesiastes. Talks a lot about the heart. And I just want to challenge you today. So many of us can have this kind of, we start our relationship or we're building a relationship of something that's not really in, it's not really there. It's just, it's just made up. But God is saying today, go back to the start. Go back to where you started. Go back to where your heart's response is. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my sin was rolled away. Right back to the beginning. And build on this. Build on what was done in your hearts. Not your head. Number two today is this. To build a strong foundation in our character. To build a strong foundation. Jesus gave this unique parable of two builders. As he talked about the wise and the foolish builders. We read earlier in Matthew 7. He says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It had its foundation on the rock. If we want to have a foundation on the rock, if we want to have this foundation that Jesus is talking about, what's the key? He says, obey my instructions. He says, obey my instructions. Put my words into practice. How many of us listen week after week, sermon after sermon, watching God TV, reading books, looking at all this stuff, but yet sometimes we put little of it into practice. I mean, so many people say, I want revival to come, but yet they won't pray for the delivery man. Oh no, God's going to send his power. He's going to come. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for you and me to rise up. The kingdom of God to rise inside. That's what he's waiting for. He's not waiting for a prayer meeting and then one day he's going to come. Why? I've just, I've had so many prayers. I'm going to come with all my power. 
But he's looking for ones who put his words into practice. That's what it is. And I'll tell you this, I'm realizing it more and more. The more I do for God, the more I'm thinking, wow, on the day when he sees me, what is he going to say to me? There'll be lots of times when I could have done things. Lots of times when I could have put his words into practice. We have to play our part in building this character. So many people of us think that it just happens. Oh, we become a Christian. And then all of a sudden, God starts sticking things on and we just become this super Christian because we leave it up to him. I've used a picture today of the Lego character. If you know what this is, the little Lego characters. I went with the boys a few years ago. We've been a couple of times to Legoland down in near London. And right at the end of the day, it was an amazing day. The kids loved it. And we come into this shop and you've got thousands and thousands of children trying to buy Lego things. It's just a nightmare. You spend a whole day at this theme park. You're absolutely shattered. And then you walk into a shop and it takes an hour to get out. And I remember going to this shop and the boys went up and you can, there's a little table. And all these children are sat around this table and there's just thousands of pieces of Lego in the middle. Lots of different characters, uh, lots of different, sorry, uniforms and things for figures. And the objective is this, that the kids sit around a table and they take the pieces of the characters, they take a helmet and they build their own characters up and then they put them in a bag and take them home. And I saw all these kids getting little things like this. They were just empty characters and adding all these things on. Let me tell you this, the kingdom of God's the same. You don't leave it up to God to start building you up. You have to sit there and you start off with something. He gives you your faith. You respond to God. You end up with something, the basic faith. But you have to add on. You have to add on things into your life. That's not adding on salvation. Yes, you're saved. You don't want to scrape through, do you? You don't want to get to the end and meet Jesus and say, Yeah, look at me. I'm plain old Jane. No. We want to add on the things because if we add on the things, it's not so we look good. It's so that we're ready on a strong foundation for the things that are going to come. You have to build yourselves up. Second Peter, if you turn, well, actually I'm going to show it in the message, but second Peter one, second Peter one, verse three to nine says this, and it's great. I wanted to show you the message version. It says this, everything Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know pers- to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. Listen to this, verse 5 to 9, Peter says, So don't lose a minute in building on what you have been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character. Spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others with these qualities active and growing in your lives no grass will grow under your feet or should i say no building will fall no day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master jesus in other words what peter's saying here is this 
add the components to your basic faith in God. Add the components. And we've just listed them. Patience, reverent wonder, love, friendliness, alert discipline. There's so many and you need to look at these yourself and work them out for yourself in your lives. But these are complementing your basic faith. In other words, you start off like this, but it's up to you to put on these things and to build your character up so that you're ready for when the wind and the waves come. You're ready for when the rain starts to fall. You're ready for when the, the house, your life, is going to take a beating. Some of us are just looking for God to do all this. It's like, I've accepted you, Jesus. I've done enough, haven't I? I've given you my life. What more do you want? What more do you want, Lord? I'm just going to leave you to change me. And Lord, change me. Make me more like you. The Lord says this, that we need to do practical steps to build our lives. That's why I'm reminding you. It's not all about Jesus doing everything for us. We have to do these things. It's a practical lifestyle to be a Christian. Apostle Peter writes, everything that goes into a life of pleasing to God, he said in that scripture we've just read, has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally, impersonally and intimately. There it is again. It's been given already. The very basic fundamentals that we have in our heart have been given miraculously to us to get to know him personally. There's the key. Know him in your heart. Know him personally. When you do, these things will, he will show you what to build. He'll show you what to add on. And it will strengthen our character and faith. Put into practice these words. Put into practice these things. Freely you've received, freely give to others. You've received these words. You've received salvation. You've received so much. Now you have to give to others. You have to put these things into practice. I just believe sometimes when we looked earlier that the ones who were foolish, the ones who tried to pray for, uh, should I say, they, they, they were praying for the demon possessed and they were doing all these miraculous things and it says, we did these things in your name, Lord. I think it identifies to us that there's a danger that we can operate our Christian walk. We can operate our lives as Christians going around doing things. And that's what our lives are built on. Just the supernatural. Just the, the fact that people get healed. Do you know when God gives a gift, just like a father gives his gift to a son, he says he won't take it from you. And I believe that sometimes some people go around and they associate their position with God their character with God based on their gift. And that is totally wrong. You see, you can't do that because God says, I won't take the gift from you. You say sometimes, well, what is it that, how, how is it then that some people don't operate the same in the gift? I'll tell you what it is. If you prophesied at one time and you used to speak out, I'll tell you the one thing it is. The more you sin, if you sin, the more you'll be fearful about operating in it. So you won't do it as much. The gift is there. Paul's charge to Timothy was fan into flame the gifts. Fan into flame. It's always there. It never goes out. But it's our own fears because of our sin that will not let us operate in that gift so well. You cannot operate in a gift when you're sinning. And it's not because the gift's not there. It's because we get, we get fearful of God more. He doesn't take things away from us. But let's not build our lives thinking that we've got a strong foundation because of the gifts that we see in. 
Do you know, when we're talking here about all the things and seeing the miraculous and all these great stories, they're all great. And we want to hear more of them. But the truth is moving forward. It's, it's, so, it's actually more important sometimes to get the character right so that you're strong. Because I'll tell you this, when the day is coming here, when persecution will come like we've never known it. We look at the news, someone said it earlier about the Ebola and we look at the news and we, we're so distant sometimes from these things. We think that we've got it all, we're in our own bubble. But a day will come for our own persecution. A day will come when the rain starts to fall. And it's the test for us as to whether we're standing on that rock. If we have a character that's built on the rock. The final thing is this. That we need to build for the future. Build for the future. We need to build from the heart. We need to make sure our hearts, first of all, it's built on a good foundation of our heart, but also to build a solid foundation. But third, to build for the future. Verse 26, we read this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. This is the other person. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. One thing that we can be so tempted to do is to disregard the building of the future in our lives. You see, most of us today, the world tells us to experience for now. Have things for now. Build your Christian walk. Enjoy for now. But let me tell you this. You have to think about the future. You have to think about what's coming. Because let me tell you this, what, what Jesus is saying in the parable, he's talking about people knowing him personally, building relationships, listening to his word and acting upon it, building character. But third and finally says this, do you know why? Because in the future, there's a day will come for every single person when the rain will start to fall, when the streams will start to rise, The winds will blow and it will beat against your life. And are you ready for it? Are you ready for what's coming in the future? He's saying build for the future. Don't just think about now how you feel now. Be ready and strong with a firm foundation. But think of what I'm warning you, he says, what's coming. That can be anything. It doesn't have to be when persecution comes and the the end times. No. It could be your Monday morning when you're going to work and something hits you so hard. Something in your life hits you so hard in your marriage. Something hits you so hard that it just feels like the rain's been falling and you could cope with the rain. Then all of a sudden the streams rose. I can cope with the streams. But boy oh boy when that wind blows and beats the house and it falls down in one crash. Was I ready? Had I built my character for future? Had I prepared myself for these eventualities? And those with a good character, those who like the widows had enough oil at that last moment, they were ready. They were ready for what eventualities may come. I don't know about you, but I used to, when I worked in, in my job before I was here, we used to have letters coming through all the time for pension plans. They said to us, tell us what you've got in your pension. Or they said, do you want to meet the pension guy to talk about this? 
And every time these letters would come and people in the office would get all get chatting in the group about what pensions and what the future's going to hold. And every time we chat about pensions, it seemed like that it's pretty grim for us as a generation. You know, what's coming? That basically the government are not going to give us anything, so we've got to save, save, save. And then what people start to say is, I don't give to anything. I would talk to people, and this is no criticism on anyone, but some people would give, and there were in the room there were so many people with different viewpoints on the future. There were some who said this, I don't need to save. In fact, when my parents die, they'll hand over their inheritance and I'll just use that. I'll sell my house. Or Everyone had their own view. But the truth was this, the reason why the people from the pension plan would sit and tell you is not just to make money, which they do, but it's this to remind us that things are coming. There's a time coming when you will not have a job where you get paid a paycheck every week. There's a time coming when you will rely upon the state and you rely upon what you've prepared for in the future. And there's so many people in this room and it's the same with Christianity. God is saying to you today, do you have a pension plan? Do you have a pension plan for the rainy day? Do you have a pension plan that protects you in your character ready for that day? Or are you just living the dream? Living the life and just trusting that God will deal with it when he comes? Let me tell you this. we No one's got any idea what pensions are going to be worth what in the future. If they're going to be worth anything. But we still need to be wise and prepare. Someone once said this, chase your passion, not your pension. I, for one, I believe in giving, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to prepare. We so want to just enjoy the moment. Some people say, I just want to, I just want to live now and enjoy now. What's the point in worrying about when I'm older? But God is saying to us in the same way, I believe, when we need our pension in Him, when we need it most, if we haven't prepared, How well will we stand up in the future? How well will we be? Will we be coming on Sunday mornings and coming and singing the songs here when turmoil hits our lives, when struggles and persecution comes? Or will we be standing firm in the faith because our characters were already prepared? We don't know what's around the corner. Those who ignore are foolish, he says. They have a weak character. The rain comes down. The streams rise. And then it beats the house. And then they're crushed in a moment. I don't want to be this type of person. I believe we have to make sure we're ready. And apply God's word daily. The Christian pension plan is not just something about signing a document to God. The Christian pension plan is this. Apply the word of God daily. Build yourself up. If you haven't read your Bible in a while, pick up the Bible again. Dust it off. This is the pension plan. It costs nothing. The salvation from God costs nothing. The only cost is your time. But he says invest and build yourself up because when you read the word of God, it will build you up inside and strengthen your innermost core. 
If you haven't done that for a while, ask yourself this. If the rain was about to fall today, is there enough time to start going through and finding the scriptures and building your life up? Is there enough time when the rain's tapping down, when the streams are rising, is there enough time to understand and strengthen yourself? Then in a moment, it crashes into your life and you think, why? Why did I not prepare? Apply it daily. And I don't want to criticize this, but some of us so much we can live off the things like every day with Jesus and little things we read. And these are all good. They're all great things to read. But there needs to be more than this. It's got to be more than Christian, should I say, what do, what do we call it? This, like the stars that we read, horoscopes. So many people, sometimes I meet and the only thing they're reading is this each day. And that is it. They're reading what someone else has said to them. These are great things. Don't get me wrong. In fact, sometimes I've read them and they've really helped me. Fantastic things, actually. But it cannot be the only thing. It cannot be the only thing that you rely on. You need to listen to what God sent to you for yourself as well. Reading his word. James 1. Verse 22 to 25, James, it says it clear to us about listening and doing the word. Put it into practice. He says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. There you go. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, there's the key, they will be blessed in what they do. Hallelujah. Don't just listen. He says, don't just listen to the word and not do it. In fact, he says this, don't deceive yourselves. Do you know what? There's so many people that we talk to sometimes They say, the great deceiver, they talk about the enemy and the deceiver. Let me tell you this, you do a good job yourself. You do a good enough job yourself in deceiving yourself. In fact, the enemy, sometimes I believe he looks and thinks, "What? I don't need to go down and meet them today. They're doing a pretty good job of it themselves. They're deceiving themselves every time they look at the word, every time they go on a Sunday and listen, but then they think, right, I'm going back to my other life now. I'll be there next Sunday. And I'll be there to prepare again to come before Jesus and say, this is me. But let me tell you, the devil sometimes looks, he doesn't have to touch you. He doesn't have to spend his time on you. There's plenty more people he can go around the world looking for. The ones he wants to look for are the ones who are reading the word. The ones he wants to look for are the ones who are putting it into practice. Let me tell you this, every time I've stepped out for the kingdom of God recently... There he right is. He's there trying to attack, trying to stop me from moving. We deceive ourselves. He doesn't deceive us. James advises us, don't deceive yourselves. Don't just read it and leave it. Put it into practice. The enemy's agenda for you is character assassination. Is to assassinate everything about your character in God. To drive you down to the ground. And we need to be ready for when the time comes. We need to be ready for the enemy. In 1 Peter 5 
verse 8 to 9, it says this in the NIV. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. I, re- I saw someone put recently on the internet. He might roar around, roar around like a, a lion like this. But we have the line of the tribe of Judah. Amen. His name is Jesus. All he can do is roar. Our king has overcome. Amen. Resist him. Verse 9. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In other words, James is saying, be of a sober mind. Be of a sober mind. In other words, don't be, don't be like a drunk. Someone who's going around their life and they're not really in reality. Take a reality check. Don't be someone like someone who's drunk who's for a moment on their evening out of drinking everything. If you ever speak to someone who goes out drinking, they say, I want to just put all my problems and drown my sorrows and put them all at home while I go out and forget about everything. People used to say it to me at work. They'd say on Friday nights, that's the time I go out because it's, everything's put aside. And what he's saying here in these bit of scripture is this, be alert and sober mind. Don't act like a drunkard. Don't be like someone who puts everything aside. Be alert, always ready, because he comes like a roaring lion to devour and to assassinate character. But build your character up. Hallelujah. For us, me and Emma, we celebrate our, as I said, our anniversary this week. Ten years. And ten years ago, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon to Sri Lanka. And when we were in Sri Lanka, we used to go every day, we'd go to the beach and Sit on the beach as you do, and I used to love it. And one Sunday morning, in fact, it'll be pretty much, it's probably this Sunday, 10 years ago. We got in a taxi. We get in this taxi, and we pay the man. We said, take us to the best beach on this island, down on the south. Because that's where it was. He said, you want to go to the south? We paid the taxi driver, take us there. We want to go. We want to just sit on the beach, take our books. So we did. We went all the way down to the south. And he says, this beach is driving us down there. He says, this beach is beautiful. He says, this beach has got turtles in the water. He said, it's gorgeous. It is paradise, he said. I couldn't wait to get there. We got out because where we were, it was the, the sea was quite rough. So we just wanted to get to a place where it was just peaceful sea. We drove all this way down. We get out the car. We, we go down and we pay the man for the lounges and we sit on these lounges and I get my book out. And we start to read our books and for me, the holiday for me is just sitting reading my book, putting my iPod on, just listening to some tunes and just getting in my own world. And I looked out that morning and I was looking out to the sea, pure blue sea, just like on the brochure, seeing the turtles bobbing up and down. And I remember saying to myself this, boy, this is paradise. He was right. This is paradise. Peaceful. Everyone just relaxed. We came away that day. We went home. And that was in September, 10 years ago, just a few months later, on Boxing Day of the same year, the tsunami hit Sri Lanka. Just a few months after, just a few months, and it hit the southern part of Sri Lanka, and it wiped out completely that beach. In fact, so much so, when I saw it on the news, I saw my hotel that I had my breakfast in every morning filled with water to the top. 
people all swimming across in the swimming pools. And I saw that, so the first thing I did is I just thought, well, if it hit the southern tip, it must have hit that beach. So I went on and I had photographs on all my album of this beautiful beach from that Sunday morning. And I went on and looked and I found pictures of the same beach completely, every building gone. Just a few months. Let me tell you this, none of us know what's coming. None of us know what's around the corner. When I laid on that beach, do you know what? The last thing I ever thought when I saw the turtles bobbing, when I was reading the book, listening to my favorite tracks, never did I think that months later there would be nothing there. Never did I think it. Never did I think that where I used to sit every day and have my bacon and eggs and all you can eat breakfast would be filled to the top with dirty water and people trying to scramble for their lives. Never did I think that. It never entered my mind because I wasn't ready for a thought like this. But just remember this as I finish. Jesus says and he warns us that things will come. It will beat you and it will come in and that day people will be hanging on for their dear lives. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for what's coming in the future. And our characters are the key for that. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.